Wake up, Donnie. Do you believe in time travel? I met a new friend. Real or imaginary? Imaginary. Donnie Darko. What the hell kind of name is that? It's like some sort of superhero or something. What makes you think I'm not? I'm not following you. Look, every living thing follows along a set path. And if you could see your path or channel, then you could see into the future, right? Like, uh, that's a form of time travel. I hope that when the world comes to an end, I can breathe a sigh of relief. Because there will be so much to look forward to. Transformed her. And as for the whole gangbang scenario, <laughs> I, it just couldn't happen. Smurfs are asexual. They, they don't even have reproductive organs under those little white pants. This was so illogical, you know, about being a Smurf. You know, what's the point of living if you don't have a dick? Sometimes I doubt your commitment to Sparkle Motion. What's up you creepy fuckers? It's your favourite horror boy, BP. We're here again. Welcome to the Let's Talk Horror channel podcast again, the new episode. Um, if you have listened to one before and you're, you've come back, you're fucking awesome. Thank you so much for uh, taking your time to listen to other podcasts and coming back to this one because it means that you at least like it and don't think that I'm a complete dickhead. Um, maybe just a little bit of a dickhead. Um, and if you are new here, you've never listened to one before, thank you for joining in and keep listening um, because you know what this film is. You, you've clicked on it. You know it's in the title. You know what it is. So uh, you must want to know about it. So and you will. Trust me, you fucking will. You'll get loads. Of, you'll get loads of facts about this film. And that's that's one thing I promise. Um, and that's another fact. So there's enough. There's two already. You're welcome. So. Yeah, it's, here we are again, another episode. Um, I'm super looking forward to doing this one. Why? Um, because it's about my favourite film of all time. That's why. It's important to me, this film, which is why now is the time for me to do this. Why now? So for those that listened to the last episode, they would have, they know um, that there was a big change for the format of these podcasts and why um we had our first ever guest on the show we had chris um who's the creator of the amazing dead meat pete and we spoke uh, in depth for a long time about uh, the lost boys the iconic the lost boys and we had so much fun recording it and it came out great and i've had so much feedback, positive feedback about that episode um, and saying how much people enjoyed it, but also how they still learn stuff about the film that they didn't know. And that is what I aim to do on these episodes. I want you all to have fun listening to it, but also I genuinely want you all to learn something from it. Um, if I can do that, I've done my job. If it doesn't happen, then I'm fucking shit at my job. Um, so, yeah. It, it, it was a it was a change it was something new and i loved it 
but this one we're going old school and when i say old school last episode we did something different and every other episode has been the same as this one so it's, it is old school in a way um but i am going to be taking the wheel on this one or on my lonesome because it's the right thing to do because this episode is going to go in depth about my favorite film of all time as i say and it's going to get personal and i have to do everything i can to not cry when i'm thinking about everything nostalgic uh, this is going to give me so um it, it seems it's the right time to do one where i'm going uh, old school <laughs> and uh talking about a, a you know a subject or you know whatever i'm doing on my own because do you know what wait till the end of the episode and i will tell you what's happening next rather than tell you now because i've talked long enough so let's get into it let's talk about this absolute cult classic that's more than just a fucking cult classic it, it's it's incredible and i hope you agree with me so let's talk about donnie darko so this film was released all the way back on the 19th of January 2001. I mean, that's a fucking long time ago. And it still sits after all these years as a, with a rating of 8 out of 10 on IMDb. So basically, it's one of the greatest films of all time. You know that because if, as soon as you start seeing something that's like 7 out of 10 on that website, you know uh, you're going to be watching a top level film. Which is funny because most of the films I watch that I think are fucking the best films ever sit at like 5 or 6. So... Either I'm wrong or they're wrong. But it, yeah, 8 out of 10 on on uh, IMDb and on Rotten Tomatoes, it's still 6 at 86%. So it is well received, this film. Um, critics do really enjoy it. Obviously, there's ones that don't, but they're fucking wrong. Um, and it continues to be well reviewed by critics, by general moviegoers. And it brings in new people who had never seen this film before, but it brings in new people to this cult sort of thing of donnie darko um all the time and it still still continues to to bring in new fans uh one of the things obviously that i love doing now because i find it fucking hilarious um is uh letting you know what google has on on their site as a synopsis for this movie or any movies that i talk about um because they never really give you much so this is what they say um happens in donnie darko donnie darko an awkward teenager befriends frank a figure in a bunny costume only he can see who informs donnie that the world will end in 28 days six hours 42 minutes and 12 seconds so i mean yeah that's it <laughs> right but this film is a complicated one, and I don't mean in regards to sort of follow, you know, or storytelling wise. I think it's um, leaves so much open to discretion and, and so much open to different, uh, different people's interpretations as to what happens. It is a difficult film in regards to that, but they could have done better than that. You know, that's it doesn't give you it doesn't give you anything. Um, I mean, would I watch it off that? I don't know. I mean, probably. Um, but it doesn't give you much. But obviously, as usual here, obviously, only Let's Talk Horror Channel podcast, we can't just leave it at that. Um, you know, sure, as I said, it was Google isn't wrong, but there's way more to this film. So 
To start us off on this episode, here's my version of the events that take place in this extraordinary film. So the film opens with one of the shittest fonts I've ever seen in a movie. It's almost as bad uh, as the time that Avatar, a huge Hollywood blockbuster, used Papyrus as their main sort of title font. I don't know why they do it, and it didn't look good. And it's the only thing that I do not like about Donnie Darko is the font. I mean, that shows how good this film is if uh, I'm sitting here giving it shit about the title scene. Like, you know, I need to basically I need to get over it. So I will now. So then so then we cut to a young Jake Gyllenhaal lying in the middle of the road having a nice little nap. And when he awakens, he looks pretty fucking confused about it all. But then he does a nice little laugh. So already you're like, there's something wrong with this kid. But then he rides off on his bike with one of the greatest songs ever, um, ever made playing in the background, which is Killing Moon by Echo and the Bunnymen. So straight away, you're fucking digging this movie. So it's dinner time in the Darko household. And please remember, no politics at the table, but you can most definitely suck a fuck. So not long after this, we established that Donnie Darko is popping pills because he's all fucked up in the brain. And oh shit, Donnie's sleepwalking again. And here we have a super creepy, but for some reason, sexually soothing voice of Frank the Bunny, who declares to Donnie that in 28 days, 6 hours, 42 minutes and 12 seconds, that is when the world will end. So then we get back to the house where Daddy Darko is having a nice nap and the sister walks in dressed for the 80s. I mean, it was set in the 80s, so that's why. But then boom, there's a massive bang. I wonder what the fuck that is. Donnie has been sleep golfing again, but now he's got the, got when the world will end on uh, written on his arm, an image that so many people have since had tattoos. And I myself have been very tempted uh, in the past and even now to get it tattooed on me. Maybe I still will. So he returns home where the roof is all fucked up from the aeroplane engine. But this couldn't possibly mean anything, could it? So at this point, we're introduced to his friends, who on first glance, I always thought they were twins. And then I realised that they weren't. They just have exactly the same haircut. But both of them are cocky douchebags. But then it happens. We get Head Over the Hills playing by Tears for Fears. Another great song. But where another time this film is using an instance of having music uh, going over a montage or showing you the characters you're going to be introduced to in the movie, like the teacher or the principal the cokehead bullies and the potential love interest and Patrick Swayze and Drew Barrymore and that guy that used to be in ER. There's always a story to be told in these scenes. We're finally introduced to Gretchen who enters the story in a super weird way, mostly awkward, where she's already trying to get into Donnie's pants because she thinks he's the cutest. Dad almost runs over Grandma Death and whispers something into Donnie's ears before we get to Donnie's first therapy session where he's finally discussing Frank the Bunny for the first time. Now here we see a quick glimpse of what a potential future might look like. It's all flooded and shit like that. And Donnie's gone for good old sleepwalk again, but this time with an axe and floods the school. And as a little present, he leaves the axe stuck into the head of the weird bulldog with the human body statue. That is just makes no sense. And it looks so weird and out of place, but it might be that for a reason. We finally get our first main interaction between Donnie and Gretchen while she's getting harassed by the bullies of the movie. 
one of them being a young Seth Rogen, who apparently likes boobs. This is where we get another important line in the movie, that once you start thinking about the multi-layers of this film, when Gretchen says to him, what kind of name is Donnie Darko? It sounds like a superhero. And he replies, well, what makes you think I'm not? Is one of those lines that every time you watch it, after it, it sort of makes you think more and more about it. So now we're back with the shrink, and she wants to hypnotise Donnie, which is a little bit fucked up, but hey, results are results. But if the result she wants is to get someone playing with their dick on a couch, then that's super fucking weird. So after Mullet Boy nearly slices Donnie's throat, we get one of the best scenes in the film, with one of the funniest scenes you know that I've ever seen, and most well-written scripts ever, that involves talking in depth about the Smurfs and all the fucking that goes on, or doesn't go on, and what's the point in living if you don't have a dick? I mean, I'm guessing you'd have to ask a Smurf that question. Frank's back, and this time, some weird shit happens, and things are starting to get a little bit more fucked up. Donnie suddenly starts becoming more inquisitive and wants to know more about time travel, which a doctor from ER seems to know a lot about. He gives him a book called The Philosophy of Time Travel, and it was written by none other than Grandma Death herself. So with that, we're with the quack again, with Donnie talking more shit about Frank and his dead dog and his fear of dying alone. And while the lads are watching the football game, it happens. Things get super weird and some water-like thingy reminiscent to the faces from the abyss starts coming out of people's chest. Essentially, this is manipulating uh, or letting you know that everyone's path is already set. Well, at least that's how I interpret it. And that's a bold statement nonetheless. Then there's some fat guy in a red tracksuit and he's perving on Donnie and Gretchen. But does he mean anything? You know, this film seems to make you want to think about things differently. And to be honest, no matter how many times I watch this film, I still can't think of anything about this guy in a red tracksuit and he keeps popping up in the film. I mean, maybe he's God and they're just not telling us. But Donnie's starting to get a little bit more insane and a bit stabby towards poor old Frank the Bunny. We finally get the legendary Patrick Swayze in his biggest scene in the movie. And he really is great in this film and incredibly fearless. But once Donnie gets on the mic, you know shit's going to go down. We're now back talking about time travel. And this is a really impactful moment in the film where once again he's talking about life already having a set path and how it's all planned out for us. The film goes deep into theories about life pretty hard in so many moments in this film. But when they're having a conversation and starting to head towards faith and Christianity and Christ himself over science, Noah Weil from ER has to stop the conversation right there before he gets himself fired. So Donnie and Gretchen, they share their first kiss after the douchebag bullies are being absolute utter pricks. And then we cut to the cinema showing such classics as Halloween and the Evil Dead. And you'll hear a little bit more about later, you know, uh, when I discuss the facts about this movie, about all that. But yeah, that's Evil Dead on the screen in Donnie Darko. And Frank the Bunny seems to be a fan as well. So then we get another line, whether you look at it into a little bit more or not, when Donnie asks Frank, why are you wearing that stupid rabbit suit? And Frank replies, well, why are you wearing that stupid man suit? Once again, is this implying something more than what we know? Or is it giving us something extra to think about? Which is what this movie has done and continues to do so well. Frank finally reveals his face. 
Does Donnie know who he is? Because we don't yet. But does he? And then some weird shit happens on the screen, uh, which I believe to be a portal. And what I find interesting about this thing on the screen that, as I said, I think is a portal, you know, you actually see the clouds and the sky in the background in it. So once again, is this giving you another clue or is it something else that once you've seen the film and you go back and you realise it's another thing that's there? And now we're off to Patrick Swayze house. And don't forget on the way uh, on the way out the cinema on the board at the top um, when he's leaving. Not only does it say the Evil Dead is showing, but you also get a glimpse of another film, The Last Temptation of Christ. Once again, is this implying something? And then we get sparkle, sparkle motion, motherfuckers. And while, while that weird talent show is going on, Donnie is setting shit on fire. I mean, if I was Patrick Swayze and I had a picture up on my wall that's supposed to look like me, but looks like Barry Manilow, I mean, I'd set it on fire as well. But then this thing gets real super fucked up because Jim Cunningham was into some super messed up shit. So let him burn. So the psychiatrist is using hypnotherapy again on Donnie. And this time he's not playing with his knob, which is nice. But he's talking like a big baby. And now he's telling all his dirty little secrets about everything he's done. But it's integral to the story, of course. So guess who's back? Red tracksuit guy. That's who. And this time he's got a flashlight. But I'm really, really over the years starting to think that he is way more than than what you think he is in this film. Does he mean something a little bit more? I'm sure he does. And if you do know, then let me know, because obviously I want to know. But now we head over to Donnie's house and where they've got the Halloween party going on. And Gretchen, she knocks at the door and she seems pretty upset. So her and Donnie take this party upstairs. But while they're going upstairs, overlapping it all, You've got one of the greatest songs ever made. You've got Love Will Tear Us Apart Again by The Joy Division. But once again, you know, it's highlighting the importance of the music in this movie. It helps evolve and get across the points of the story. Uh, it's really, really well done. And from here, the story is sort of coming into the place. The name Frank gets mentioned by Donnie's sister. You've got the mum calling up about getting an earlier flight. And we only have six hours remaining until the end of the world. Donnie starts seeing everybody's sick path again. And one goes to into his face and make his eyes go fucking weird like a goldfish. But by looking into it, he sees something. Does he know something more than we do? And then we get the scene on their bikes, which is purposely nostalgic to an 80s classic, E.T. All en route to Grandma Death's house. The douchebag switchblade bros of the movie turn up and grab Donnie and Gretchen because they're absolute pieces of shit and a car is coming down the road. And in a pretty gruesome way, Gretchen is run over and she's definitely dead. A clown gets out of the car, but there's someone else, someone called Frank, and he's dressed in a bunny suit. Hang on, we know him. And then Donnie shoots him right in the eye. And once again, the story is starting to make sense. Frank, all along, was Donnie's sister's boyfriend, and he shoots him in the eye, which is why earlier on, when they were watching The Evil Dead, he's only got one eye. It's all super fucking clever. And then, as you do, Donnie carries Gretchen's dead body home, which at first of all you think, well, that's a little bit weird. But then once again, Donnie knows what we don't. And for me personally, I feel that at this point, this is where Donnie he feels like he's made his decision, no matter how you look at it. 
he goes to get in the car and then his stomach starts to hurt. And I remember when I was first, when I first watching it thinking, I wonder why. And then he looks up and he sees some sort of portal thing, um, you know, in the sky. For me, as I said, th- at this point is when he makes his decision of what he's going to do. Here we get the voiceovers of them talking about time travel and Gretchen talking about taking all the pain away, essentially. And, you know, and Donnie finally looks happy because his decision's been made, which is why the end of the film, he's laughing his pants off because for him, he understands it all. He's got what he was longing for, the understanding of life and his purpose in it. So he sacrifices his own life to turn back time to save the people he loves. And then we get another scene where Gary Jules' very haunting version of Madwell plays over the top of another montage of all of these broken characters and the characters who get to live their life again through Donnie Darko's sacrifice. So the ending to this film can be seen as really depressing. Uh, you know, you have the main character of the film who dies and he's only a teenager and so on. But it, is it not better to think or understand that he finally found something concrete, something for him that he actually fully understands and believes in? You know, in the film, you see his issues and you see his problems and how he doesn't understand life or existence. But by seeing everything, he's becoming more than just a man. He gets to become a superhero. By saving the people that matter to him the most, that gave him the good parts of his life. So, yeah, it can be sad, but it does depend on what you take from the movie. But that is the end of the film. And then we rolled credits to the really shit font again. So that that is essentially a more in-depth version, as usual, than what Google gives you for my favourite film of all time, Donnie Darko. But before I really get into how I feel, you know, about it, and how much of an impact this film has had on me and cinema, let's talk a little bit more about the film itself. So the film stars Jake Gyllenhaal as Donnie Darko, Holmes Osborne, Maggie Gyllenhaal, Dave Chase and Mary MacDonald make up the rest of the Darko family, with James DeVal playing Frank the Bunny, Patrick Swayze as Jim Cunningham, Jana Malone as Gretchen Ross, Noah Weil as Professor Kenneth Monitoff, and Drew Barrymore as Karen Pomeroy. And obviously there's many more, including Seth Rogen, as mentioned earlier. The haunting score for the movie was created by Michael Andrews, who I'm sure you can all agree made something for this film that feels so different. And, you know, like most things that you would, unlike most things that you would have heard before, which really helps it stand out. But apart from the score, you have incredible classics from In Excess, Echo and the Bunnymen, The Smiths, Tears for Fear, Joy Division, uh, you know, among many others. Um, And not only does it add to the uniqueness of the movie and really create that 80s feeling, but like I said earlier, these scenes are imprinted into your mind because they're so integral to telling the story. It's telling you who the characters are and what's going on at that time or what's going to happen. It's crucial to these scenes in the movies that they got the right music and they really did well i mean that's something we discuss a little bit later on as well so released all the way back now in 2001 this film started its process with richard kelly back in 1997 where all he had was a basic idea of a plane engine falling through somebody's roof where nobody knows the origin of it and that's how it all started and he built a story around it 
there was a real struggle to get this film made. And that was because Richard Kelly, being a first-time director, wanted to make his film and his vision himself, not with another director attached. And that proved to be very difficult for distributors to want to agree to. You know, especially putting money down on financing, you know, it's very difficult and, and unheard of uh, a lot of the times that they want to do that. A lot of the time the scripts just get sold and that's it. But Richard Kelly really wanted to bring his vision to life. And luckily, Drew Barrymore, who has a role in the movie, as we know, she had a production company that put the money in to get this film made. as She believed in Kelly's vision. The casting of the film was something that also proved to be difficult, with the lead role of Donnie being offered to not only Mark Wahlberg at some point, but also Vince Vaughn, yeah, Vince Vaughn and Jason Schwartzman. Vince Vaughn and Jason Schwartzman were actually going to take the role, but due to scheduling conflicts got in the way um, for Jason Schwartzman, and Vince Vaughn was actually cast for the role, but withdrew himself because he didn't know that he could pass for a 16-year-old. You know, and fair play to him for backing out of it, you know, and thinking more about the movie itself and the character, because I mean that would have been a completely different film if Vince Vaughn her play Donnie Darko as like the wise guy that he normally is. So Jake Gyllenhaal really took to the idea of the movie, which is why he pushed so hard to get the role and was actually the one that suggested that his own sister in real life, Maggie Gyllenhaal, took the role as his on-screen sister to really help push the chemistry in the film. Jake Gyllenhaal and most of the actors had a lot of created freedom in regards to the script and the characters, and it was actually his idea to come up with the vocal tone of the way that Donnie speaks when he's being hypnotised, where essentially he's talking like a little baby. But that's because Frank the Bunny is basically his comfort blanket. Something interesting uh, to me as well, but during the making of this movie, Richard Kelly actually lost 20 pounds in weight, all because of the stress of making the movie and the psychological impact he was having on him in regards to proving himself worthy of directing it. And a lot of it for him was all about his vision being seen in the way that he wanted it to. Well, I mean, as we all know, mostly. To the cars being of the right era of the 80s, the clothes, the look, it was important for him to get the tone of everything right. For the story, and some points, could have been seen as being quite difficult to deal with, especially for a first-time director. So after all this hard work, everything that went into directing the movie, all that money was put into it, in the end, when the film was shown at the Sundance Film Festival, no one picked it up. I mean, it wasn't as if it was a critical failure at Sundance because a lot of people really liked it and understood what it was trying to do and what this, you know, what this film could potentially become. But ultimately, distributors had no idea how they could sell this film or market it. When the film was released, as I mentioned earlier, it was a commercial failure, but it wasn't until it came over to the UK that it really took off. The audience really felt that it was something that they hadn't seen before and it started to get the critical praise that it deserved and started to get the odd cinema showings and the actual run it had in the UK that made around 2.5 million actually meant it made more over here than what it did upon its release in the US which really does show how well this film did um, and really sort of highlights how poorly it did over in America. So over time, Donnie Darko has been one of those films that most moviegoers love. 
and it has since picked up many accolades over time and it's really been put on so many lists as one of the greatest films of all time and obviously so it should be because this film is unique and unlike most things that were around at the time and even still now which is why it still gets talked about the way that it does and that leads us nicely into the next part which is overall how do I feel about Donnie Darko? So to really tell you how I feel about Donnie Darko, it means I have to take you all the way back to the start, even before the film was released. And remember earlier when I said this gets sort of well nostalgic and deep, this is where it gets deep, okay? So way back to when I was about 14, 15, there was a website. It was a really simple website. And then remember as well that this was when household internet first sort of became available available for people who weren't super rich. And basically poor people could sort of get it. Anyway, as I say, there was this website called UpcomingHorrorMovies.com. And it was, as I say, a simple site. But what it gave you was quite literally the name of the website it gave you any upcoming details about any horror movies that was coming out and this is where I used to get all my information in my teens about horrors at this point in my life I was already a hardened horror veteran but it was always important to know what was coming so then I clicked on a film before it was even released and you know while it was being made no one really knew anything about it but it intrigued me for, for reasons that were way different to what the actual film finally became. The synopsis for the film was as follows. Donnie Darko is a troubled teenager who has visions of a six foot rabbit. That's it. I mean, it's even worse than what Google gives you. But remember, this was before like, well, while the film, I'm guessing, was being made. But that is all you got. So that intrigued me enough. But it was, but it was when I saw that the only cast members that I knew um, in the film were Patrick Swayze and Drew Barrymore, um, and that's what got me even more interested. I mean, who wouldn't want to see Patrick Swayze and Drew Barrymore in a horror film all about a six-foot bunny rabbit? And this is before, obviously, anyone knew who Jake Gyllenhaal really was. So at that point, I, my you know my interest was already peaked. So time went on and my life in horror continued, but every now and again, you get the little odd thing pop up about this movie. And then you started getting pictures and the one of the first pictures I remember seeing was of Frank the Bunny. And straight away, there was something dark and twisted about how he looked, that it was absolutely 100% completely different to what I thought this six foot bunny was going to look like. So finally, after the the film spent some time trying to make some money at the box office, which, as mentioned earlier, it did very poorly. Um, the film was finally due a home release, uh, but there was a problem. It wasn't getting a release in the UK, and as usual, wouldn't be a long time. So luckily back then, just after VHS tapes and players, you had DVDs. And you could buy multi-region DVD players, which meant that you could get imported DVDs at good costs, rather than having to wait forever for them to finally get a release over here. And this is where we get even deeper into the story with Donnie Darko. Have you ever had it where you remember a moment so vividly that it's like it happened two seconds ago? You can remember the time, the weather, what clothes you were wearing, who you were with, where you were, where you were sitting. That's what it was like the first time I watched Donnie Darko. And it still is now to this day as fresh as a daisy. 
I asked for Donnie Darko for a Christmas present from a friend and his mum, which, as I say, they got imported for me, and we watched it on Boxing Day at his house. And I sat there watching this film, and I didn't say a word. I was so intrigued and fully engrossed in watching it, you know. But then afterwards, sitting there and thinking to myself, like, what have I just watched, but in the best possible way? And I sat there trying to comprehend at least some thought process on what happened in the movie and what I think my interpretation of what it all means. I had to watch it quite a few times to even get to a point where I could understand a step-by-step guide in my brain of what was going on and who Donnie is and who are the characters in the film or who they could potentially be. Because this film was so layered that I've never seen anything like it before. The soundtrack is amazing with absolutely banging 80s hits and then all the visual elements of the movie were perfect because so much of it is so Spielberg-like where you only get close-ups when you need to or when the story makes it relevant to do so. Everything else here is showing you everything with wide-angle shots and you get some absolutely beautiful scenes in this movie, you know, because of it. You know, even the opening scene with Donnie Darko lying in the road and then the camera's following it down this little hill to him and it's all wide-angle lens and then you get the shot of the mountain in the background. It's it's such a visually striking opening to the movie, but it still feels very nostalgic. And it's only just started. And the film continues and continues to do so throughout. The performances are fantastic and feel so fluid in this film. That at the core, it is it is actually a pretty weird movie, but nothing seems out of place. And for some reason, it just doesn't. And then you have a script, and for years and years, and I've still got it, I had a little clipping of the whole script from the scene where Donnie is discussing the sex lives of Smurfs. Because for me, that is one of the pinnacles of incredible script writing. But also, script writing at its most strangest. I've purchased this film so many times in so many different versions of this movie and because I had this film imported back in 2000 a month uh, 2001 that that meant no one and I mean no one in the UK had seen it in fact I had seen it before the UK release um, had even happened and then it started getting noticed after and started becoming a real thing that people could watch You know, and I consider myself really lucky that I was at the forefront of that push for this film because word of mouth is the reason this film continues to strive in this country. And I told everyone that I could about this film and some people liked it and some people didn't. But it would never deter me from pushing this film as much as I could. And this film continues to be on so many lists, so many people's lists of must-see movies and always... Um, I will always remember when Total Film Magazine and Empire Magazine both gave it Film of the Year with five-star reviews. And once again, people were taking notice of this little film that meant so much to people like me already. So luckily, I've even got a chance to go and see this film at the cinema a couple of times. In fact, one of them was at a college screening and I wasn't even going to to that college. I don't think I was even going to college at that point. I just managed to sneak in and watch it and then just walk straight out at the end, victorious. Um, but now I've stopped watching it on purpose. Well, I mean, 
until I started doing the prep for this new episode, obviously, because I've watched films so much that I knew the ins and outs of everything and every scene. And I've got the books with details, with information about it all. So I purposefully stopped watching it. So I haven't seen it now for about five years, if not more. And, uh, you know, when you love a film this much and it's so important to you that you want to preserve as much enjoyment out of it as you possibly can and I wanted to forget as much as I possibly could but unfortunately needless to say that when I did watch it in prep for this I remembered every single bit of it but at least you know the thought was there so one of the other things I find really interesting about this movie is that it's one of the only times that I've ever heard of where producers or people behind the scenes who pushed director to change things but it ended up being for the better so for example we know that we now have the director's cut of the movie you know and this is the vision of what Richard Kelly originally saw for the movie but the music in so many of the important scenes in the director's cut is completely different you know and remember this is what he originally wanted but they didn't have the money for the license inside so producers had to push for alternate music which we now know is part of the movie. The director's cut also has extra elements of little cuts of the, from the book of uh, the philosophy of time travel. And I feel that this takes you out of the film. You know, there's so many little bits in the film like that, in the director's cut, that it's added that it makes it nowhere near as good. You know, and it's weird as well, because normally we as fans of horror or just films in general, we literally cannot wait for a director's cut for movies. You know, and when I watched this version, I hated it. And not just because of my own, my love for the original theatrical version, but it just didn't flow the same way. And the music was nowhere near as impactful. So like I said, people got involved and made decisions for this movie and took some decisions out of Richard Kelly's hands, which normally is for the worst, but it actually ended up making it better. And that very rarely happens. So as you can tell, I have a lot of history with this movie. I think as a movie, it's perfect. Every element of it works, even though it shouldn't because it's such a fucking weird movie. But when you're watching it, it doesn't feel like it. it. It's not purposefully strange like something like a David Lynch movie. You know, this film's just odd, but in all the right ways. And it's also nostalgic as a throwback visually, as I said earlier, inspired by people like Steven Spielberg or films of the 80s in general like E.T. It has everything you need in this movie. And then to top it off, more genius to this movie is that it is every genre they're all in there it is a horror it's a thriller it's a sci-fi it's a comedy and even as romance it has everything for everyone in this film you have all the potential hidden meanings of so many scenes in this film or so many of the characters in this film constantly keeping you guessing or constantly making you think of your own opinion that could be the same as someone else's or completely different and very rarely can you say that happens in many films very rarely of them can do that but especially this successfully so there's a reason why all these years later we still talk about Donnie Darko there is a reason it's still on so many people's lists of favorite films ever or films you need to see before you die and there's a reason 
that it's right at the top of my list as my favourite film of all time. Because for someone like me, this film and the subject matters of feeling like you don't belong and trying to understand your place and purpose in this world, especially as a teenager, really struck a chord with me and still does. And so many people connect to this film and still do. This film is really an important one to me. So who do I think Donnie Darko is? I mean, I've tried to simplify it over the years for what I think happens. But I think, and I mentioned it a little bit earlier, but I think he's a superhero. He's a teenager, like I said earlier, who is struggling to find his way in the world and essentially given the opportunity to rewrite it. I know that there's a lot of in-depth discussions about Frank being a messenger or how time has been messed up because Donnie keeps sleepwalking um, at the time of the engine crashing through the house. Um, And it was just basically essentially an irregularity through time. And Donnie dying will reset all that. But, you know, and there's more things to look into, essentially, like Donnie Darko could be the reincarnation of a new Christ, because what he does is sacrifice himself to save the people he loves so they can live their lives through their own set paths. He's made his mind up by the end of the film that their lives is more important than his. And when you see him accept this and understanding it all at the end of this film, It feels so genuine because he finally feels like he does have a meaning or a reason to exist. And I feel that there's something incredibly beautiful about that. But then even now, more things pop up that people talk about that literally that just blows my mind that after all these years, it's still an ongoing discussion. And so it should be because overall, this film is meant to be like that. A strange but perfect bit of cinema that came out of nowhere and became a big fucking deal. And just like Donnie, it finally knows its place on this earth. And if any of you wondered, will will there ever be a sequel? Well, the answer to that is no, there will never be a sequel to this film. Also, I know that there was actually a sequel, but as far as I'm concerned, that piece of shit never got made. So no, there there never has been, nor will there ever be a sequel, because this film is one of those films that deserves to be alone, striving in its own company, but in the best possible way. So by now, um, at this point, if you've listened to the podcast before, then you know what's going to happen. But as I said earlier, if you're new to this, and you're still listening, thank you. But this is where you're going to fucking learn some shit. So here's some facts. Number one, the film probably wouldn't exist if it wasn't for Drew Barrymore. I think I mentioned this a little bit earlier, but basically she had a producing company and they end up being the ones that um, help back it financially. But also it helped um, market the film and, and get um, distributors on board because she agreed to have a, a small role in the film as well. Uh, number two, not only was Donnie's world going to end in 28 days, but that he um, that, that is actually how long it took them to shoot the film. And Richard Kelly says that it was actually pure coincidence that it took 28 days to film. I think he's talking fucking bullshit. Number three, upon its release in 2001, the film was a massive flop at the box office, making only $500,000 back of its 4.5 million budget. 
but as we all know uh, has since become a cult classic and even more than that you know it's, it's just grown and grown its fan base um, and has since made back more than 10 million and a lot of that was helped by the dvd sales um, when it finally came out uh, number four the legendary patrick swayze wore his own clothes for the role and he made the decisions of his character and richard Carroll kelly has gone on as being quoted as saying that patrick swayze was absolutely fearless uh, number five, Sam Raimi let Richard Kelly use the footage from the Evil Dead for free after Richard Kelly had problems getting the rights to the movie Chud. I mean, I know which one I'd want in my movie. Uh, number six, yeah, six, I will say that. The actor James Duvall, who played Frank the Bunny, was the only one that wore uh, the suit on set. If there were stunts required, he would do them. He would just the only one that wore the frank the bunny the costume uh number seven the film marked seth rogan's first big screen appearance as a dickhead uh number eight yeah <laughs> every major movie distributor passed on the on the movie at sundance festival until new market picked it up after having success with christopher nolan's memento uh number nine Though most people know this one, but most, uh, but the cover of Mad World by Gary Jules actually got to Christmas number one spot here in the UK, which, you know, is obviously fucking amazing that that happened. And number 10, well, actually, do you know what? This one isn't really a fact. It's more like my own sort of observation. And I'm sure other people um, out there, you know, notice, sort of notice this as well. But there is a scene in it where Donnie is looking at a picture that he's drawn off Frank and underneath um, of, of it, of this picture that he's drawn, there's a calendar. Now, if you look at the word um, that's written on a calendar for the month, it's October because obviously it's Halloween in the movie, but not only, not only do we know that it's obviously Halloween and it's the month of October, but it's actually uses the same font as what they use in Halloween movies. So, I mean, it's not really a fact, as I say, but I just think it's pretty cool where that feels like it's almost like a little hidden homage to Halloween movie. Um, or it's just pure coincidence. And I'm literally looking way too much into it. It's fonts again, isn't it? That's, that's, what, that's what I look for in a movie, fonts. Um, but yeah, that is, that's pretty much it. If you, if, you, if you know any other facts about the film, um, you can always send me a message. I, I want to know about them. I want to hear about them. Um, but if I'm the only one that noticed about the font thing and, and it's the same as Halloween, then I'm obviously a fucking legend. But there you go. That That's it. That is me discussing Donnie Darko. You've got the incredible synopsis from Google that tells you absolutely fucking everything. And you've got my one that's a little bit more in depth. Which one's better? You decide. Um, don't say Google, please. Um, it took me a long time to think of it. Um, and then you get, uh, you know, some extra bits about the film as usual. I hope you sort of learned some little bits that you may have not known. And then you get my really sort of in-depth personal view on the movie um, of how much it means to me, how it impacted my life. And... Um, you know, and this film continues to do so for me. 
Um, and when I did watch it the other day, it's just, it's for me, it just brings back those whole big, massive nostalgic memories um, of where I was at that point in life and, and where I've come. Uh, and, I, I, you know, part of me wants, you know, to thank Donnie Darko for that because visually and sound wise and directing wise and everything about this movie for me is perfect. You know, this is the type of movie that I would want to make if I could. Um, and it has been important to me for so long and it continues to be so important to people all around the world. So that's pretty much it. That is the Let's Talk Horror channel discussing Donnie Darko. And then now, I suppose, we've probably got time for a review. So by now, if you've listened to any of the previous episodes, you know that when it comes to reviews, I like to spice it up a little. Um, and when I mean spice it up a little, what it means is um, I like to review the films that I have just seen. Now, they could be brand new films that have just come out, or they could be films that were made in like the 60s or 70s, and I've you know never had the chance to see them until now. And... Um, I want to be able to share my thoughts on those films with you. So today on this episode, we're going to be reviewing uh, and taking a bit more of an in-depth look at as well um, of the movie Benny Loves You, um, which is an interesting title already because it doesn't really sound much like a horror film. It sounds like some sort of rom-com with, uh, I don't know, who, who does them? Owen Wilson, he does a lot of them, and Jennifer Lopez. They got, I'm sure they've got probably got a film out. Um, yeah, but it's not. It's, it's got nothing to do with those two. Um, but the reason I wanted to review it is because one, I've just seen it for the first time. It's a pretty new film. Um, and the process of it is what is also really interesting as well. So I'll go through a little bit of that with you as well. Um, so the film released wise is quite interesting. So it was originally sort of at the initial release, uh, was in, 2019 um but over here in the uk ended up getting a sort of a proper release uh in 2021 so it is a is a really new film um and do you know it's really it's a really interesting one but let's get into so after the accidental death of his parents jack's comfortable lifestyle comes to an end as he sells the family home desperate to improve his life Jack throws out all of his childhood childhood belongings, including a beloved plush animal named Benny. However, it's a move that has a disastrous consequences when Benny springs to life with deadly intentions. I mean, for Google, actually, that's not too bad. I mean, that's definitely better than what they did for Donnie Darko. Um, but that's not too bad. That sort of sums it up um, as much as you can, because this film... It's fucking weird and batshit crazy. But that sort of does it. But what's interesting is that it's it's written um, and directed, among many other things that I'll go into, um, by, by first-time director and everything else, um, Carl Holt, who is also um, the main character of the film. And essentially, yeah, that's what happens in the film, is that he has had this sort of plush bunny rabbit since um he was a kid uh who's done everything with him and it comes to life 
once he tries to give it the boot and, and shove it away when he's trying to grow up a little, basically. And uh, Benny doesn't like it and uh, goes around fucking murdering everyone. <laughs> and it's funny. And it is literally that. It's one of those films where, as a horror fan who wants to give anything a go, this is one of those films. It's one of those films where you're like, do you know what? This sounds mental and I'm going to give it a go. And I can see why so many people wouldn't want to see it or wouldn't want to, you know, wouldn't like it. But, um, you know, don't don't let anything like that put you off because it's a really, really well-made film for someone who has never essentially made a proper film before. Um, and the cast in it are okay. You know, it's, 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 you know, it's pretty, it's okay. Uh, that's, that's all I can go into. I don't want to go into it and say people are rubbish because that's not fair on them. Um, and I don't want to go into it and say, do you know what? They're absolutely top notch because they're not. Um, but what is so interesting about this film is so Carl Holt, who I, who I mentioned, who's the star of the film, as well as the director and the writer, he not only did all that, he created the soundtrack, as far as I'm aware, for the movie as well. But he did all the CGI in this film. And let me tell you, this is like top draw Hollywood budget CGI. Like the fact that he did it. So I've, I, as far as I'm aware, it's like took him about five years to make this film. But I could not get over how amazing the CGI in this is. You know, you've got toy robots in it that that actually look real. Um, you know, there's always going to be some scenes that, you know, might stand out as a bit computer animated and so on like that. But then so is pretty much any Marvel movie that you watch where you're completely taken out of it because it doesn't even feel like you're watching anything apart from a cartoon. You know, this is an incredibly small budget movie made by, you know, and created by one person who's who's got all his friends and um, associates around him to help him create this fucking mental movie. And what a job he's done, but but it's mental. The CGI in it is incredible. And it's something that really needs to be seen. Um, as I said, he did the soundtrack, and that's also amazing. It's, it's very 80s, you know, synth referencing and nostalgic. Um, so he's done a brilliant job there. And for, like, a first-time director, you know, he quite clearly understands film because some of the shots in this film are insanely good. Like, this is a really, really visually nice film. There are definitely 100% times when you're when you feel like you know you're watching somebody's first effort you know because there, there's some shots that aren't set up great and so on but then it's it's made up for because you get some things that are absolutely fucking awesome and look great so for me the film itself is really enjoyable so the kills in this film are really really imaginative you know really original because i mean what what else are you gonna get i mean it's a bunny that's going around killing people of course it's gonna be fucking mental um but they really are fun the only thing i will say about this film is that there's pretty much like a prolonged 
joke, running joke throughout the film um, because he ends up killing a dog. And I know some people don't like that and I don't like it either. Um, but it goes on for quite a long time um, where this dead dog pops up quite a bit. Um, and it is quite funny, but at the same time, you're, you know, one of the many that go, oh, why another dog? But, I, you know, it serves a purpose for this movie. You know, the dog is a character in this movie um, and it does serve a purpose. It's not just the point that they just kill a dog. So in regards to anything bad about this film, that would only be it. But at least there's a reason for it and a reason that it happens. Um, but yeah, the kills are really fun and, and good and, and imaginative, as I said. Um, and they all work in a really, really weird world that has been created and overall this film is just it's fun it's a good one and it's it's fun it is weird and sometimes it's a bit too weird sometimes the humor that i really i really enjoy the humor it's very british very dark very sarcastic um and it is quite reminiscent of quite a few sort of british tv shows so I can see why a lot of people might not get or understand the humour. Um, or I can completely understand as to why people just wouldn't like the fucking movie at all. Um, but I really enjoyed it. But I also not only enjoyed the film. For me, being a fan of films in general, but obviously with horror, as you've heard on my previous podcasts when I've done one about the special effects of movies or the importance of John Carpenter. You know, when I'm talking about those other subjects, you could, you know that it's everything else that's the importance to these movies that make them what they are as well and give them that extra bit of history. And this film hasn't really done the rounds so much um, that I that I really know of. I haven't really spoken to many people that have seen it, not just outside, you know, outside of the horror genre, pretty much no one's seen it, but in regards to the horror fans and so on, not that many people have come across it or seen it. So I really do recommend it, not just because of the movie, because as I said, it's good. It sounds great. It looks great. There's some, as I said, visually amazing shots in it. Um, and, the CGI is all done by one person and there's a really cool as well. And also it's interesting as well. I'll just go off the subject quickly again and I'll go back to it as I normally do because I forget what I'm saying. Um, there's a really, really cool looking sort of like closet demon in this um, film that looks fucking awesome. And I would love, so if, if anybody knows how to contact um, Carl Holt or anything like that or, or anybody that made Benny Loves You, I would love them to make a whole movie about that sort of closet demon that was there for like 10 seconds because he was fucking awesome like he looked amazing or even released the designs or something because he looked amazing and i can imagine a whole film being made with him that would feel like proper old school um but but it would be fucking scary because that thing like comes out of nowhere and it's in the closet and you're like jesus christ like it looks awesome the design of the character is amazing 
but that film would be fucking scary. So, and that, I mean, that would be a proper horror. That would be completely different to something like Benny Loves You, which is, you know, a rabbit going around killing people. That thing would fucking terrorise everyone. But anyway, back on to the main point um, that I've probably forgotten what it was. Um, but yeah, the, you know, you know that I like to talk about and I like to um, give give credit to what goes into the process of making these movies, especially in horror because without the process and without the imagination of you know everything that goes into these films they wouldn't get made and the fact that one person has essentially made this movie over a span as i said of like what five years but his end result may not be you know the best film in the world but is it original yes is it well wor- wor- you know worth to see 100 percent is it because it is good and it is everything that i've mentioned before but we need to be supporting these these people and and these visionaries um so they get a chance to to continue making these sort of films and put in all this effort that they can um into these movies because it is genuinely insane what he and the cast and the crew and everybody involved in a very small film managed to do because even from the posters and the cover of the movie, you can tell that, you know, they mean business, you know, and it's it's really worth your time. So, yeah, as a review, it's a really enjoyable, fun film that I think every person who loves horror and loves something a little bit fucking weird and wants to have fun for once um, in this, you know, genre that can be bogged down in so much disaster and seriousness um this is fun so go and watch it um and recently as well you might have seen um on my obviously on the let's talk horror instagram account i recently brought um benny the plush of benny himself which you can um buy online and uh came with a nice little poster and i've also since obviously got the blu-ray all in one place um so i do really enjoy this film and i think that you will too but even if you don't it's the appreciation of all the hard work that went into it and that sometimes is all that it takes and needs um but yeah that is my review of benny loves you so i've given you our sort of in-depth conversation about donnie darko and my views on that film um and you've also got a review. We, we managed to fit one in. Um, all about Benny Loves You. Make your own decision when you watch it. As I say, uh, I hope you do watch it. And I hope you recommend it to other people as well. And spread the word about it. Because as I say, once again, it's one of the only reasons why these sort of films get made. Um, but now, as usual, I always like to talk about sort of the social media side of the Let's Talk Horror channel um, and also anything else sort of horror related that's gone on since the last episode. I mean, well, talking about the last episode, um, for anybody that's that's uh, listened to it and any of the previous episodes, like I said earlier, thank you so much. You know how important it is um, to me and to the show that people continue to listen to it. But the reception, it's been great and continues to, to be amazing for the show. Um, and you know, I just, I love it. I love the fact that people get back to me as well, but the response to the newest one was great. And it was, like I said earlier, different for the Let's Talk Horror channel. 
um, because we had um, our first ever guest, which was Chris, as I said, for the creator of Dead Meat P. It's amazing having him on the show. Um, and we had such a fucking laugh filming it. And pretty much everything that you hear in the podcast is pr- pretty much everything that we did. Um, hardly any edits apart from shortening a few you know, start and end points. Other than that, that was pretty much our whole conversation. It was great. It worked well. And um, it was nice to have a guest on the show where I just sit there and, and have a laugh and talk about an, an amazing film like The Lost Boys. Um, but like I said, I did say at the start, I would speak to you a little bit more about that. So Donnie Darko, important film to me. And, you know, I, in regards to as a film, because it's my favourite film of all time, but also it is incredibly big for me on a personal level. So that's why I wanted to do this episode on my own. Um, it would be, I would think it, to be honest, it would be fucking boring and unfair to, to have a guest on just literally listening to me talk shit about this film. Um, so that's why I decided to do this one on my own. But now I can't say who, but what I will say is that because obviously I had so much fun having a guest on the show, um, I do want to continue that for the future of the show. Not every time, but when I think that it that I feel that it's best for the episode. Um, so I will every now and again go old school and just you will just like this one. You'll just have me talking and talking and talking about whatever film or subject of horror that I choose. But as I said, as much as I can, I will try and get a guest on the show. So as far as I know, I have things lined up for the April episode, um, which I also know what it's going to be about, but I'm not telling you. So look out on our Instagram page and you'll find out what, what it's going to be about. And I'm pretty sure, as I say, I've got a guest for it. And also for the May episode, I'm hoping um, that I also have a guest on that one as well. And the film for that one is um, still, uh, you know, to be confirmed. But I'm pretty sure I know what that one's going to be as well. And that one is going to be another incredibly important film to me. um, And to also the person that I will be speaking with about and talking about that. Having guests on our show, I am, uh, for the first time, I am actually on another person's um, podcast, another podcast. Um, I joined um, Morgan and Anastasia, who are um, the the hosts of Horror Versus Reality podcast. And uh, little old horror boy me, I'm on that one. And I loved it. It was so much fun to do. We had a great time it was a super long one and what was even what was even better is that I learned so much fucking shit I didn't know about um the episode is all about um the amazing film I genuinely really love um the the sacrament which is directed by you know the equally amazing Ty West um and um we also talk about what the film is you know sort of essentially based on and references um we talk about the jonestown massacre as well so it's a real interesting podcast without me on it and 
I had, as I said, a real good time speaking to um, Morgan and Anastasia, who who enlightened me on so many things that I didn't know about the Jonestown um, massacre. And it, it was fun. And I would really love you all to go and listen to it, um, to support their podcast, and also to support me as well, because, you know, it's nice to, for me to to go on somebody else's show. And I hope that that happens more in the future. You know, I don't want to just sit here and talk to, you know, myself until it gets released. And then I'm essentially talking to you. Um, so yeah, it was great being on that other show. It was great to have a guest um, on our previous episode, but also I'm looking forward to what happens in the future episodes as well. Some will be just me, some will be with other guests. And I hope you come along with me on this evolution of the Let's Talk Horror channel. So the Instagram channel, that's that's still your biggest source for information, um, for any updates or anything horror related that I think that we at the, uh, the Let's Talk Horror channel think that you all, your crazy horror fans might like. Um, but one of the things that I have done since what day one, well I say day one, episode one of the podcast, I'm pretty sure I did it on them. Um, but it's a segment I've always really loved, um, and that is your first time. If you've listened to the episodes before, you would know what it is. For those who haven't, or don't, or just don't know what it is, and didn't make it to the end of the fucking episode ever before, um, and you know, there's a first time for everything. Um, your first time is essentially, to be honest, I started it because it's it's something for me. I, I want to know all about your experiences, your first ever experience watching a horror film. Um, because it's so interesting to me because I love to know where this journey through horror all started for, for all of you. Whether that's, you know, you're recently gotten into horror or whether it's something that you've been watching like I have at a young age that was way too young to fucking watch these films. Um, and you know, what impact that had on you and, and who you with and, you know, where it was, all that sort of stuff is so interesting to me because it's, it's just fun, isn't it? And, and, and we, the reason I started it and, and as we know is that horror films for us fans are so important that we remember. And even if you're not a fan of horror, you always pretty much remember the first horror film you watched. Not any other genres, but horror films you do because it was either the film that made you love them or it made you hate them. You either absolutely, you know, wanted to watch every single fucking one that's ever been made or you never wanted to see one again because it gave you fucking brown pants. So, <laughs> so yeah, it's, it's so interesting to me. So I love this little segment. Um, and I've only, I only wanted, to, I want to, I only want to put two on this episode um, because they're a little bit longer um, not massively long, but you know, but I I enjoyed reading them because they sort of capture what I really want from um, this this segment um, of your first time. Um, so we have got now everyone as well. If you've listened to the podcast, you know how notoriously I am at even names um, or like Instagram sort of handles or whatever you fucking call them I don't know so I will get this completely wrong but the two I'm going to talk about the first one is necrobscura underscore horror underscore media underscore 2013 um I got all that wrong probably but 
so what he did, he sent me a message and it just said um, that he thinks uh, that his first um, memory of a horror film is probably the Puppet Master movies. Um, he remembers the puppets were so amazing and he thought the dolls and puppets could get um, could get up in real life and walk around. It was rare for horror movies to terrify him. Um, he thinks that the Puppet Master movies are a big part of his love of horror movies. And I mean, yeah, it's such an amazing memory because and you always remember it. And it is the type of film that will start your journey through horror. And I um, spoke to him a little bit about it. And um, yeah, it's it, the Puppet Master is funny because once again, I managed to share one of my memories that I had. So when I was younger and watched Puppet Master, it had like such an impact of, you know, of how you know, of how amazing that they looked for one. And, you know, the fact that they managed to get him to do what they did in that film, that um, a friend of mine actually brought two of the actual puppets from the movie. I think it was, I always forget what, I think his name's Blade, but he's like the main one with the hook, like for a hand or Blade, whatever it is, his hand, probably a Blade because his name's fucking Blade. Um, but yeah, he, he looks fucking cool. And he brought him and also... I think it's like the big one with the drill in the ha his hands and wearing like emo gloves like Jared Leto, calf gloves. Um, but yeah, he he got those and we made like our own sort of short little horror film and so on. Um, and that's the thing. His memory of his first time brought back my early memories. No, obviously nowhere near my first, but, you know, my early memories of, of having fun and recording my first, one of my first sort of, um, homemade sort of horrors that looked fucking awful, but was fun to do. Um, and also it's just a great movie that once again is the wonder of special effects of how the fuck they managed to make all these puppets do the stuff that they did. Um, so yeah, that, you know, that memory really, um, was a great one for me because it made me think of my own. Um, and then the second one I want to talk about, um, so that one is also another really long one. And we had a really, really good conversation um, about horror um, as a genre in general. Um, but so I'm just going to read it as it is. So this one is from It's Paul 2Ls G. Or actually, it's probably capital I and the G for Instagram. Didn't think about that. But either way, I've done it wrong. And I always maybe I should just say everybody's name's wrong all the time because I'm always going to get it wrong. But either way, this is what he put. So uh, my first time nearly 30 years ago, uh, damn, I'm old. I mean, I know that feeling. Um, he was four. Um, and I remember putting one of those old style knitted blankets, you know, the ones that made you itch like fuck uh, over the radiator and the sofa creating a little den. And it was red. So inside everything had sort of a red tinge to it, which was perfect. Um, as I put, um nightmare on elm street uh three with dream warriors on the tv he was enamored with freddy the red also created a great atmosphere for the movie from that moment on i was a horror fanatic i've never really been scared of horrors from a young age um i knew it was fake so my parents never minded me watching them but freddy will always remain in my heart and from the from then it escalated to child's play hellraiser Candyman, and his childhood was filled with all the greats and that was another thing that was really interesting to me was we as horror fans shared something incredibly cinema um similar 
you know, we we watched horror films from an incredibly early age um, and and we grew up with him and he had a really, really great conversation um, about, you know, our, our experiences with horror and the experiences we've had speaking with um, all you amazing fans um, all over the world that we do. And it's a great it's a great memory and it really, really sells the fact, like I said earlier, of how important horror films are to to us horror fans and how we remember them and the the impact of that nostalgia that we have for our first experiences with it. Um, and those two experiences really captured what I really try and get through and what I really personally want to hear from the Your First Time segment. So thank you to both of you for doing that um if you can figure out their names obviously make sure you go and fig- uh, follow them on instagram um but you probably will never find them because i've said their names wrong um but if you also if they are listening they know who they are so um yeah um and also not man elm street three dream warriors is fucking awesome as well so what an amazing film to to start with and that will literally get your horror imagination going from from the get-go so yeah that's uh that's the um, your first time segment, which, as I say, I love, and um, it, it was a really good one. This one, even though that's only two that I've spoken about, you can tell that they, you know, the impact on those films that they they had on those um, those people. So yeah, um, thank you for sending those through, and uh, you know, long live uh, your your fandom through horror. So the world of horror continues; it lives on. It always will, um, but to what excess will that be? Um, you know, 2022 shaping up to be another big year for horror, um, but what we've got a lot of remakes or reboots or requels. Is that a thing? I think it is now um, happening. You know, we've got an, another Evil Dead, which obviously I will be optimistically looking forward to after Fede Alvarez's uh, Evil Dead of 2013. Um, you know, what a fucking film that was. Um, and I have spoken about in the previous podcast all about the Evil Dead movies as well. So if you haven't checked that out, make sure you do. But um, yeah, obviously the new Texas Chainsaw Massacre has just um, been released. And um, I th- I'll be watching that tonight. So stay tuned as well, um, because I will be doing a video review for that one, which I will be uploading to our YouTube channel. If you haven't subscribed to that, make sure you do. Um, I've been uploading sort of video reviews and I will be putting more on there. So so don't worry. Um, it's not just something that sort of gets left behind because I'm so focused on the podcasts. But um, I like to create content for that that you know, isn't just fucking jargon, it's it's important stuff. Um, so yeah, uh, I will be doing a video review of the new Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Now, I haven't seen it yet, so I don't know whether it's going to be one of me saying how much I hate it, and or whether it's going to be me saying how much I like it. But who gives a fuck? Because, you know, that's my opinion. And I hope everybody else is giving their own opinion. From what I've seen so far, it's, it's a proper mixed bag. And critically, it's not gone down great. But 
each to their own and I will watch it. But other than that, we've got um, the new trailer for Jordan Peele's Nope. That is actually um, coming out. And I mean, the trailer looks fucking amazing. And it looks like we're getting a full-blown alien invasion horror, you know, through the eyes of Jordan Peele, which is already interesting after his previous masterpieces. So um, X from Ty West, anything Ty West does, I will watch. And the trailer is out of that. If you haven't seen it, go to it because it looks fucking awesome. Um, yeah, so, you know, we've got a lot. You know, obviously there's so many I haven't mentioned, um, but just go and check it out. I'm sure if you just go to Google and type in horror films 2022, it'll come up. You know, don't be lazy. I'm not going to do it all fucking for you. Um, so, yeah, it's um, another year, but let's just hope that we don't lose this originality, you know, of, of that the, the horror is really always striving to um, achieve and has sort of got on the right path for a while. And then you start getting um, those films that are original horrors, um, getting a bit more of a budget and so on. And then suddenly we end up resorting back to the old films um, and then they end up aggravating everyone and then horror stops getting money put into it and and we get on that vicious cycle of the 2000s again so let's let's hope um we continue to have um you know a, a decent time with horror but yeah that is that's the episode that's that's done you've heard you you know i've talked about donnie darko in a very personal way um you've got a review you've got me talking um about that segment that i love and i hope you enjoyed it of um, your first time and if you want to get involved um with that segment then make sure anytime um message me on instagram your first uh, memory and experience with horror and i will do my best to add it into the next um episode or an episode um and there will always be updates on instagram as to when um i'm doing the episodes or when to to um send me a message about it or that but just do it whenever because i love reading them and i love you know speaking to people about their experiences um yeah that's that that is pretty much it if you haven't followed or subscribed the podcast yet please do because the more people that listen to it the more i want to do i am so grateful that so this this podcast i only do once a month and i know that that actually hinders the um, possibility of of the podcast becoming more than what it is um but that's what i can do at the moment but the more people that listen to it and the more people that listen to it who end up telling other people who then go and listen to it the more i can look at trying to do and trying to create that extra time to do it because as usual and i say it on every episode you know how much i love doing this and the conversations I get to have are incredible and it's really really been a great personal journey for me doing this podcast so um thank you so much to everyone that's listened and followed and subscribed everything we've done so far and if you haven't Instagram all your pop, uh, podcast platforms you know Spotify Apple Podcasts, everything anchor Go follow us and subscribe on there. Please leave reviews. Um, I hope they're good ones. If they're not, then I'm fucked. And um, 
and it, YouTube, you know, as I said, there's going to be reviews and videos coming up there soon. Uh, make sure you go and subscribe on that. So, yeah, as as usual, thank you so much for listening. Um, I hope that you've made it all the way to the end. And I, I hope you found some value in um, everything that I've spoken about. Um, and if you want to discuss or if you've got your own interpretations or understanding of what or who Donnie Darko is, message me and, and we can have a chat about it because it's the greatest film of all time in my view so of course i want to talk about it with other people um and if you've seen benny loves you and you want to talk to somebody about it message me as i say i i love having conversations about these films and i love horror so yeah there we go that's another episode done and um thank you so much for listening and as usual, all I can ask you all to do is stay creepy. <laughs>